Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. In a really amazing selection of other podcasts indicative of the recruitment market and the business market, for whatever reason you're listening now, we just want to say thank you for choosing us. We couldn't do this without our sponsor and our partners. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show, but thank you to Pager, our sponsors, and our partners, Inclusion Crowd and Needy. And without further ado, let's jump in to get to know this week's guest. This week's guest is a fantastic connection of mine who I've actually had the benefit of knowing since 2015, as I've actually partnered his business on numerous occasions uh, in my other guise as the owner of Key Recruitment as a rectorette. This is Ben James, and he's the co-founder and managing director of Simpson Judge. And we talk today about a multitude of things that I think will appeal to you as a listener, whether you are a recruiter starting out, whether you're an experienced recruiter thinking of potentially moving roles or even setting up on your own, or for those leaders listening who are looking to scale successfully and retain the best talent. We talk around training academies. We talk around succession planning. We give advice to recruiters, uh, to employment recruiters on um, restrictive covenants. Where should they sit in your um, contracts of employment? Um, And then we give advice to those who are thinking of leaving as to what you should recognise as enforceable. We also talk about a quite big topic on gamification, uh, how this can win for your environment, but also the perils of that and who it might not appeal to. Um, It's a really superb episode uh full of insights full of great anecdotes as well and i really hope that you love ben as much as i've got to know him over the last few years so without further ado let's jump into this week's guest we are so proud at the recruiters recruitment podcast to be sponsored by pager pager helps recruiters to build personal brands to identify new business opportunities to attract those hard to find candidates and to basically have better conversations Now, you will have a large network that you want to build credibility with on LinkedIn. And sometimes posting content every day feels impossible. Now, that changes once you have Pager. Pager provides you with the ideas, the content and the scheduling capability to produce daily content to build out your own personal brand in minutes. And for business development, too. Pager identifies companies that are advertising jobs, have key hiring indicators such as funding rounds, mergers, acquisitions, or senior appointments, and then alerts you to this daily. Pager also enables you to write candidate-centric job adverts without bias in seconds. So once you advertise your job, Pager will then automatically create a branded post and publish it to LinkedIn without you even having to lift a finger. So when you want to actively source candidates, you can create complex Boolean strings in seconds. All you need to do is to provide the job title and location. Now, Pager is making thousands and thousands of recruiters smarter and faster. For more information, click on the link pager.co to book your demo and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when inquiring. Now, back to the episode. 
This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast and one of the most pleasurable parts of me being host on this channel is when I get to invite people that I really know really well to introduce to you our community and this person is of no exception actually and I can't wait for you all to get to know him better. This is Ben James and he's the co-founder and managing director of Simpson Judge and dare I say he's actually my unofficial legal counsel as well um, <laughs> which, well, which I know we're going to come on to today so welcome to you today Ben how are you? Yeah, all well, good, thank you. Very good. It's really nice for you to join us. So there'll be plenty of people because we've got a global audience who'll be clicking away on your profile on LinkedIn and Simpson Judge as well. Tell us a little bit about the business and how you've evolved since you set up. Okay, so, so the business at the moment, we're predominantly an accounting, finance, legal and IT recruiter. We've got a couple of other bits on that. So we do PA recruitment, which most of it spins off the back of the, the finance stuff that we do. Um, so we do PA and EA recruitment. We've also got a division that does consumer recruitment, which was somebody you placed with us, um, uh, which is, is also doing really well. So that's just a slightly different different mm -hmm. thing that, that sits on the side of, of the rest of what we do. Um, as it stands at the moment, we're around about 50 heads. Um, and of those, 44 of them are billing heads. Um, split across two offices. So we have 30, you're testing me on numbers now. I think we've got 34 in Preston and 16 in Manchester. Wow. Um, across those two offices. Um, in terms of background, uh, so we're coming up to 11 years old, 10 and a half years old. Um, Rob and I have known each other. Rob Simpson's uh, co-founder. We've known each other 18 and a bit years. So wow. we were on the same training intake at Hayes. Um, we did two years. We actually, I was thinking about this the other day, we very nearly set up a business 16 years ago. Um, and, and we both decided that we probably didn't have enough experience at that point. Yeah. And, and I think we were right. Do you think so? Oh, I, I we'll definitely come back to that, I think, because I didn't know that. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So we were, we were sat in, we were sat wow. in the Blackburn office at Hayes, and we were the only two people in there. And we both had got to the point where we thought, don't think this is long term. We've never been particularly big corporate boys. Um, and we I, I can vouch for that, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and we thought we we thought about setting it up at that point, and in the end, it didn't pan out. Rob went to Australia. I moved to another oh. accountancy finance recruiter, and the way it kind of came about, the business setting up is Rob moved back, worked for a couple of businesses in the UK, mm. um, didn't particularly enjoy working for those businesses, um, and he set Simpson Judge up, which is why it's called Simpson Judge, not Simpson James. Um, and he rang me for some advice uh, in terms of the market within the Northwest because he'd been in Australia for, I think, five and a half, six years. And, and straight away, I sort of was at the same point as him. I wasn't overly happy, wanted to set up on my own. And he, um, we, we met at the Tickle Trout for a beer about oh, two days anyone later. that's ever been, stick a thumbs up. It's a brilliant, <laughs> it's a brilliant meeting and, uh, place. I've done many meetings there over the year. Yeah. We, had, we had a couple. We had a couple of beers, and half an hour late, decided right, let's just do it together, and, and, and that's ahead. when that's when I came in. Which was, I mean, there was. I don't think. I think at that point we hadn't done any. There was no business done yet. It was just. It, it was very very early stages. So is this 2012? Um, about 2012? 2013. Yeah. 2013. Right. 2013. Gosh. Wowzers. So we were ten years in. in well, the business set up ten years ago in February. Mm. I think I joined in the May. Right. Um. So yeah, very very early doors on. Um, and then from there, in terms of sort of how we've evolved, first year was just me and Rob. Um, we were trying to build, uh, we were trying to build enough sort of cash in the bank to start hiring staff, as well as 
fighting like hell to both pay our mortgages and um, and everything else, which is, which is never easy to start with because I think I think the perception of what startups are like and what it's actually like is very different. Um, you have to do everything. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and also the fact you know managing the cash is very difficult as well because we didn't go in with a with a big chunk of cash. We had we went with one of those backer companies, as you know, um, yeah. and. Uh, but they didn't put any cash in. They sort of set the website up for you. They do all of those bits mm. and they do the back office for you, but they don't actually give you any money. So uh -huh. what you don't realise is from, you know, even if you do a placement week one, you're probably not going to get the cash on that until week three. Yeah. Sorry, until month three. Yeah. Until month three. So yeah. getting through that bit, and particularly there being two of us and Rob having two quite young kids at the time was, um, mm. was a massive challenge. But we got through that and first year went pretty well. Um, Apart from some of the legal stuff, which we're going on to in a bit, I think. But um, first year went really well. Um, we started taking staff on from year two, mm. um, and I suppose that the story of Simpson Judges is, is sort of two parts, really. So you've got kind of a pre-COVID Simpson yep. Judge, and you've got a post-COVID Simpson. So pre-COVID, our mantra was very much take on experienced heads, give them a lot of flexibility in terms of, of what they can do. Um, we weren't hugely sort of KPI driven or performance driven mm. in terms of what we did. And the attitude was, well, take these experience heads on, they'll do really well. And, mm. and that worked fine for us. I mean, we grew, I think on average, mm. we grew 40-ish percent a year. Mm. Um, so we went into COVID with 17 people. We came out of COVID with 13. Um, we actually didn't let anyone go. We were four people who decided most of them decided that they didn't want to do 360 recruitment anymore because yeah. I think the, also the perception at that point was it's probably going to be a real drag out of COVID, yeah. um, which in the end it, it absolutely it, wasn't. It wasn't. Um, so we came out with 13. We then changed our our sort of strategy, if you will, in terms of how we were going to grow heads. Mm. Um, and we, we put a training academy in place with – we got some advice from a few people externally who were absolutely brilliant and even made mm. introductions to training people. And, yeah. Um, that bit. And we came out with a very different strategy in terms of the way to go if we want to grow quick is going to be go down the the graduate and trainee route. And and it's not they're not all graduates. We we take a lot of people on that are from sales backgrounds mm. or, or non-graduate backgrounds. It's about a 50-50 mm. split actually. Mm. Um and since then we've gone from 13 heads to 50 heads um in two and a bit years so we're about what, so what what i just want to before we go because i love that you've given us that evolution and that's one of the main reasons i want to get you on the show because there's just such there's so many sort of facets to your story that i think is really compelling to our listeners who are there's a lot of leaders listening and there's a lot of mm -hmm. wannabe leaders listening so i think they'll be scribbling away why why did you decide to change from what i i mean i part i've partnered you since 2015 and i so there were what three four of you in preston and I yeah. see, I've so yeah, I've literally. Oh, it, meh, it was all right. The furniture was a bit dodgy, but it was, you know, it was all right. And we went for some some dodgy pub for lunch. But anyway, yeah, um, never forgotten that. But why? What what shifted in you and Rob as leaders to decide to go from? And I don't want to say it wasn't a lifestyle business. It really wasn't. But you were this kind of. Like, I mean, yeah, it was. Hybrid. It was never set up to be a lifestyle business. No, it was always but, set up to grow it, and we we were clear on that. Right. But, yeah. Okay. Um, so I think we had a lot of time to think in, in COVID because there was mm. those, certainly the first three months in COVID. Yeah. You were kind of thinking about whether we were going to survive or not. That, yeah. was, that was one big yeah. bit. I mean, I don't want to go through the COVID bit because everyone went through the same thing, absolutely. Yeah. But mm. um, 
And then we thought a lot about it. And, and strangely, we started listening to a lot of There was a lot of podcasts that popped up during COVID. So there's, there's obviously yours. There's a few other recruitment mm-hmm. podcasts. Some brilliant podcasts out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there were a few people that were really interested on those podcasts that we thought, actually, mm-hmm. we like what you're doing and how you've done things. Mm-hmm. And we do, Rob, more specifically than me, actually, reached out to a couple of them on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. just said, you know, it'd be great if we could just pick your brains for half an hour on how you've done it, how you've managed to do that growth. So we spoke to one person that, I won't go into detail on who it was, but it, he then put us in, in touch with a lot of other advisors and people externally and training people and those types of things. And we came to the conclusion that we'd spoken to three or four of them and all of them had exactly the same answer, which is if you want to grow, grow consistently, control your growth, the only possible way you can do that is by, by bringing your own people and training them. because. If you only hire experienced, it's very difficult to control that intake because the experience comes along when the experience comes along. And, and as you know, we partner with multiple mm. um, rector acts. Mm. Um, and you guys, you know, it, it is very much a case of when those candidates come along and those candidates being the right fit for us. Um, so that's what we decided to do. And coming out of COVID, I spent three, four months building with our external LD guy, we spent three or four months building what the training program would look like before we started hiring. Excellent. And then we went out and started hiring. So we now run in-house graduate academies where people have training sessions internally with, with me mm. and our management team. Mm. And then once they've got through their first six, eight weeks in the business, mm. they then go on external training with our external mm. training guy. And and that's that's where the business has changed. So we can we can directly control the growth. I mean well, there's still massive learns around doing that as well because to start with, you get, get headcount obsessed and you just hire everyone. Um, well, I think everybody get... did in 2022, to be fair. But yeah. I, I, you know, just to pause, to just to sort of focus in on a couple of points that re- I really want to, um, I guess, embellish for you to say that as a, an experienced rhetoric as one of your partners, you are in a candidate-driven market, reliant upon the right people being at the right time. And in terms of scaling your growth, it's still important to have those solid relationships in place. But I totally agree with you. And if I think back to not just the evolution of Simpson Judge, but generally as a recruitment industry, the businesses that have scaled have had training and training academies. Yeah. It's as simple as that. But we, love- yeah, we do a mix mm. to, to back up what you're saying. We, we do a mix. And as and when experienced people come along, yeah. we bring them in and we'll slot you them. Will. The it's not, the right, yeah. I mean, there are some businesses, I was listening to a podcast the other day, there are some that literally will not take anyone experienced. I know. Um, that's not us. We, we, no. we take experienced hires. We've... I think there's four or five have come in recently because the market seems to be mm. shifting a little bit back towards people yeah. moving around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, the problem with that is you can't you can't control that growth. You and, can't, and we, you can't. But like you say, it's the it's the balance of both because there's a benefit and an advantage to always bringing in experienced people. Of course, otherwise I wouldn't have a job. But what I always felt is a very attractive proposition to experienced people, where there is that culture of a training academy, is that yeah. they can see that there's going to be continual growth, and it's also good for those who are looking at succession planning. It's just, it is as simple as that. But I do just want to re- reinforce the point you've made, which is that you, before you started hiring those people, you set the learning and development strategy in place. You put those things in place. And I think where I've seen it maybe not work as well, where I've maybe been on the receiving end of a trainee that's just been brought on, possibly because they're cheap hire, I don't know, and they've not had any formal training. That's where it goes wrong. So I think that you oh, advised to set your stall out. Yeah, yeah, we've hired a lot of those in the last 12 months. We've hired a lot of people that were taken on during okay. 2021, 2022, mm. um, and even earlier this year. And sort of 
for a bottle of a better expression, were, were, were chewed up and spat out by the businesses they went into. Yeah. So yeah. literally, there's a desk, there's a phone, get on with it. We're not going to give you any background. And what we did is brought them in. And the great thing with all of them is they were, I want to learn, I want to yeah. train. And we've put them all back through our, our rookie training, even though they've got experience. Love it. Um, and most of those are doing are absolutely flying along now. They're doing really, really well. Yeah, it's um, amazing. It's so, good. So, so there's, yeah. there's definitely hope because we do a lot. I mean, it's very hard to know exactly who our listeners are, but the ones that write into me, which I love, tend to either be leaders or those who have just set up on their own, or it tends to be new, newbies, people that have just joined the industry that are, have got a vicarious yeah. appetite to learn. So for you, the one listening now, there is hope and there are companies out there. So I love how you've created that sort of evolutionary story. I think it's really compelling. And I think you've clearly set your stall out now as to succession planning for the people that, and it's retaining the good talent. But I do want to pick up on something that we alluded to in the introduction, which was when you obviously looked to set up on your own. Um, there are lots of people listening to this show that are thinking about or in the process of setting up on their own. And one of the key questions I get asked is where do I stand on my restrictive covenant? So from a legal perspective, I want to break your answer into two advice for those who are the leaders, the employers. Yeah. what you how you can protect your business and then advice for those who are listening who are thinking of doing it for themselves so for the actual recruiters themselves the the, the first I'll, I'll do the yeah we'll do it in that order because the, okay. the, the second bit's a really interesting question on setting up on your own i think there's mm. there's some really big questions you need to ask yourself as well as covenants when you if you can definitely set up on your own. yep um which we've learned a lot from 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 a restricted covenants perspective now look, i'm not I'll, i'm not a solicitor but we've spent a lot of time in this, and, and and I think when we set up, it probably got as far as it can get without actually going to trial um, because we made some mistakes and also the employer that I had previously um, was was probably right in what they were doing, looking mm. back at it, um, mm. but took things to, a, to a, a big extreme because they couldn't necessarily find any actual contractual breaches. Um, as an employer, the first thing I would say, and, and I was thinking about this and writing some notes on this this morning, is make sure that your contract is as good as it can possibly be and is doing what you want it to do. And the yeah. reason I say that is because just because something is in your contract doesn't mean it's enforceable. Okay, so you could say, right, you can't, no, you can't work for anybody within twenty miles of here. You can't do any business in, for example, accounting and finance recruitment for the next twelve months. Um, and you can't speak to anybody that's on our database. Right? Mm. You can have all of those covenants in your contract. Mm. That doesn't mean they're enforceable. No. And the first thing that will happen when a solicitor gets hold of those from the other side is they'll tear those apart and they'll start striking them out, which is when we eventually got some really good legal advice. My sister sort of went through the contract and said, well, they can't do that, they can't do that, they can't do that, they can't do that. Make them realistic. And, and what they have to be, I think the expression my solicitor used was, they have to be the minimum level of protection to adequately protect your business. So effectively what you're doing is you're stopping someone from walking out the door, setting up, taking all your clients and all your staff with them. Yep. That, that's all you can do. And you can only do that for a period of time, which is, I think I'm right in saying that the generally accepted length of time is six months. Six months. So mm -hmm. What you can't do is you can't stop them from doing their job. So if they're even, for example, an accountancy and finance recruiter, you can't stop them from being an accountancy and finance recruiter. Yeah. What you can do is stop them from directly dealing with what was your client base. And obviously, you can also stop them from taking away your confidential information, which sits outside the restrictive covenants. So um, I would have you know, we have a very we have two separate sections in our contract. One's a confidentiality bit, one's a 
ones are, are restricted companies because again you don't want them to um, be taking information with them away from the business. Yeah. People know what they know. You know, I, I had clients that I dealt with before we set Simpson Judge up that I dealt with yeah. in three or four or three businesses before that. Yeah. But still, I still can't go away and do business with them straight away no. if the contract says I can't. So yeah. I would get your contract reviewed is the first thing I would do. And I would go I to a that. really I would go to a proper employment lawyer yeah. specialist in, in that field and get those done, which we did. I mean the original contracts we had I think we've changed twice now because also right. with don't just think that because it's there it's right because mm. the case law changes all the time yeah yeah no um, I, that's really really solid advice and actually quite simple to enforce as well it's not a massive headache for anybody i don't think that's good yeah. advice thank you and, and, and the other thing is when people leave as at the point that they do leave make mm. sure you remind them of what those are and make sure mm. that the exit letter has that on which Fortunately, we, you know, we've got HR manager here now who does all of that for them. But if they're not clear on what their covenants are, it's very difficult. It's very easy for them to breach them without even realising they're breaching. And, and actually, potentially then impact their new job unintentionally, like you say. So, yeah, I think that's, a re- again, yeah. another... Be, be really honest with your new employer as well. If, if, you're yeah. going to a new, if you're going from one recruiter to another recruiter, mm. the best thing you can do, and we always ask this, is is say, you know, can we have a look mm. at your contract? Yeah. And there's a big range of people look at somebody else that you placed with us who came in and literally mm. didn't have any restricted covenants in their contract. And we said, is this definitely your contract? Yeah. yeah. Um, I know who and, you're and talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, some, some of the other ones are, are, mm. are ridiculously unenforceable because yeah. they're, effe- they're effectively trying to stop you from doing the job. We, you can't Which you just can't, you can't stop somebody earning money. I, I agree with you. So are you are you ready to move on to the advice for those potentially that are looking at moving on or yeah, setting so, up? So from a we'll come on to the restricted covenant bit. Mm. If you're thinking about setting a recruitment business up, the real thing you need to think of is is what is that recruitment business going to be and what's it going to look like. Mm. And actually, in the long term, am I going to be better working for myself? Or, mm. I, or what do I or do I need to actually move to a recruitment business that's going to look after me better, reward me better? Mm. And and sort of, you know, if you go to a business where they're going to reward you well, they're going to support you, they're going to do things like, you know, help out with things like data, IT, further development. So, you know, our stuff go on, every single one of them goes on a training course every year um, it, it, at that point. So is that going to be a better option for you to do that? And then, you know, things like EMI schemes and share schemes and profit shares and stuff like that. Am I going to be better off moving to a business that's going to give me that? Or am I going to be better setting up on my own? Because, mm. as I alluded to before, it's tough, right? And it's not just the right in the business that's tough. Doing fees, mm. you'll do fees. Yeah, of course you will. Credit controls hard work. Um, you know, companies might go bust on you and you might have to bury that. If you're going to do a tent business, then you, you're going to have to go down the route of getting a factoring, uh, someone to do your factoring, someone to do your... Yeah. Um, your um your, your, your time sheeting and all that type of stuff it, it's genuinely really hard and at the end of it you don't necessarily come out with any more from a, an earnings perspective than mm. you might do mm. if you want to go and build something and, and build it into a, a bigger recruitment business then and you're confident you can do that then great and on the flip side if you want a lifestyle business mm. um then, then, then that's fine. You know, if, if you genuinely want to go and you want to work from home, or you, you know, you want that that ultimate flexibility, um, then 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 that's absolutely fine. But if you think you're going to walk out and probably build what you're building currently in your first year, the likelihood is you're not. 
Mm. Um, and it takes a long time to build that up, doesn't it? I mean, not you. you it does. I've been doing it. I've been doing it a very long time. I get a lot of people who we do talk about this potential route. You see, and the first thing I'll say to them is just assume you're not going to earn any money for at least six months, because yeah. even if you can build quickly, like you say, you've then got rebates. You've got to consider the rebate. Your candidate could fall out within that rebate, and then you've got no income yeah. again. Um, and it's all it's the cost, even if it, you just do it on a real, real shoestring, you know, the cost of your LinkedIn license, you know, running your phone. I mean, those are a when you're on your own. Yeah, it, I mean, it on, seems. On your own, your and, and actually, you've got to still have all these things in place. So I think it's, you know, I wanted to focus on the restricted covenants, but I'm really pleased that you've you've talked about it in a very open and pragmatic way. Because I and think then when it, you do want to build, and I remember having this conversation with you when you took Shannon on, when you do want to build. That bit where you go, well, actually, I've got to sacrifice anything I can draw yeah. to pay that person. Yeah. yeah. To get your head around that to start yeah. with until you get up to a, a decent size is difficult. Yeah. And you have to be altruistic, but at the same time, you have to still be really dogmatic about earning money. You have a and lot you're going to have to cover them for the first three, four months. Yeah, that's that's the reality the when you start taking staff on. You're going to have to cover yeah. them, certainly. You know, yeah. we probably, you probably don't get any money back on anyone you hire for the first mm nine months in terms of being cash positive on them so it, it yeah it's difficult and i think people underestimate it and mm. a lot of the time you could actually be better off if the business that you go to is rewarding you properly mm. but in other words just because you're annoyed with where you are doesn't mean there's not a better solution to the problem than, than setting up on your own if you think if you are naturally very entrepreneurial and you want to do that and you want to spin all those plates mm. then great but there's a lot more to it than just building oh I, I totally agree with you i think that's i think actually think it's a really small part of the job and i often say that and i know i think there's the debate of the entrepreneur versus intrapreneur and that's why i like working with owner managed businesses like yours because i yeah. believe that you can be an entrepreneur you can run your own business within a business and then you've got that economy of scale especially when it comes to shares and you know potential that's, that's our big challenge at the moment my, my biggest challenge is what we need is we the managers have stepped up we've got a really strong management team now and and, and you know rob and i can't go anywhere or, mm. or can't exit the business if we decided we wanted to exit the business mm. until they're strong enough to run it yeah um and that's that's the, the opportunity they have within within us but mm. I, I completely understand that there'll be a lot of people that are sat in businesses that are getting sold the dream and and, and aren't necessarily getting anywhere because the business mm. doesn't so yeah. that, that's one bit from a covenants perspective the big thing is understand your covenants and, and particularly whether you're moving or not if you're moving to another agency or another accredited company get the directors to look at them if they don't understand possibly get them to review those with a solicitor so they understand exactly what is enforceable and what isn't. If you're setting up on your own, it mm. might be worth getting a solicitor to look at those contracts yeah, and, and, and understand what you can and what you can't do because you, you want to be very clear on it. Yeah, definitely. One big bit of advice I would give someone is if the company that you currently you previously work for, if they start asking you for certain pieces of information because they might think that you're materially breaching the contract. Don't ignore it. Mm. Mm. That's the biggest advice I can do because as an employer, if they're saying to you, look, we just want you to confirm that you've not taken any of our confidential information. Um, you're not taking things with you know, like little things like you might have a list of clients on a spreadsheet somewhere. Strictly mm. speaking, that is the confidential information of that business. It is. Take that away and do something with it. You're in yeah. breach of contract, and it's very. I understand that that might seem like it's not a big deal, but mm. it is. And yeah. you know, I've worked in businesses previously where there was there was one guy that took a list of their of all their contractors and emailed it to all their competition because he'd fallen out of the business. Oh God! 
you know, the company's got to protect itself. Absolutely. Can't say, well, that's okay. Mm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's very extreme. The problem you have if you ignore the legal letters mm. is that it will get worse and worse and worse. And if you're not mm. careful, you'll yeah. get into a position where you'll then say, well, actually, because <clears throat> you're ignoring us and we're having to go through more legal cost on this, mm. we're going to pass that legal cost on to you if, if, if we ever mm. come to a settlement. Mm. Um, so don't ignore it. I mean, the main thing is don't take confidential information, and particularly if you're going to download it from a system or something like that, if that's your idea. Yeah. I no, they're gonna, you're going to get found out. I mean, I have to say that's where I know what, how ethical somebody really is and it's the sort of test of them and my potential client or whoever that might be, incubation company, is that just you've got to respect it. It is there if it's if it's a legitimate part of your uh, contracts of employment, which you will only know if you get it checked out. I always advise people to get these things checked out. You've got yeah. to do the right thing. So, And I think those that say, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just get somebody else to call my clients for me, I'm like... Uh, you know that happens all the it's, time with it's a diff- yeah it's, it's a difficult one and it's messy especially if you <clears throat> it's especially relevant if you build with them so if you've either had jobs on that were on that crm system with that client or mm. you've, you've actively built with them then mm. you're completely within your right to say, well actually that, that is now our client not your yeah. client yeah even if you've even if you've come from you know i i had clients i've got clients that i dealt with now that i dealt with 17 18 years ago yeah I was open with them when, when we first set Simpson Judge up. They were ringing me saying, can you deal with them? And I had to say to them, like, really, so I can't. can't. The reason mm. I can't is because, one, I know that the previous business will be watching. And yep. two, it's a very small world. So the likelihood is that they, they will find out. Yeah. Um, we ignored it all. So we just went, oh, it'll go away. Oh. We got some really bad advice, actually, from, um, from a solicitor we spoke to who said, um, I'll just ignore it. Most of these things go away. And, and we were like, well, hang on, I don't think that's going to be the case. And, he, and we ignored it and ignored it and ignored it. And it ended up where they actually filed the paperwork. We went to a solicitor and the solicitor had to work on it all weekend. Um, and, and very quickly, within three or four days, we had a five grand bill for, for the work he was going to do on it. Fortunately, he was very, very good. And he made it he made it go away before we ended up in court. But yeah, it was, it was, it was the day before my 30th birthday was the court date. I'll never forget it. You'll never and, get and, to forget that. <laughs> and they filed in London as well. So I was going to have to go all the way down to London to go to the old Bailey in London for the, for the, because they were trying to get an injunction against me because I'd ignored everything they did. And, mm. and looking back at it now, I don't really blame them. I think it was probably the right, the right thing to do. It, it is the right thing to do. And if I think about how this topic has evolved for me as a rep, I mean, I've been doing rep for 20 odd years. It used to be really dismissed and it used to be really disregarded and almost laughed at. And it has totally transformed. And I think that's because businesses have taken proper legal advice and haven't just shoved it in as a as a clause within their employment contracts. And it is, like you say, if it's fair and reasonable, it should protect businesses. And I always maintain that you've got to do the right thing. And if you are thinking of setting up on your own, then you are naturally going to be somebody who's a business developer anyway. So it should be fair to say for the six months, you you know, you respect the relationship that you had. Because, But there, but for the grace of God, because you would want that with your employees as well. And, and, and to be fair as well, the last thing you want in your first six months in business, and this went on for a fair amount of time. So if you think I, so I, this started in May, of that year and by the middle to the end of june it was still just about getting resolved so there was mm. like a solid six weeks there don't where that. we were you know you're not sleeping at night because you're panicking about it of course. You're not before and um, you're starting to get high court dates 
you're running big legal bills up <sighs> um, very quickly. And then you end up, normally what happens when it gets that far down the line is we ended up settling for the, for a, a percentage of their legal bill because mm. quite rightly, because I'd ignored them, they'd run quite a big legal bill up. Mm. Um, and it was just naivety from our perspective. Yeah. Um, but that's... I was going to use that word, actually, and I think that's where I don't think people need to be naive anymore. I think they can seek advice, um, and that's why I'm really pleased that we're talking about this topic. And I'm keen I've to... Got, the, the established business will have deeper pockets than you in your first six well, months. I, well, so, very keen to enforce you know. that point as well. I think it, you, you know, just to sort of finalise this part of the conversation, you are going to need all your focus and all your energy on building your business. You don't want the distraction, and that's like a really small part of how you would feel, like you said, the anxiety and stress. So do the right thing. So thank you for, I think that's been a really useful part of this interview. Um, but before we finish, I want to talk about gamification because this is a okay. part of your business that's really transformed and played into this sort of culture of your growth over the last few years. Can you first of all explain to us how that can work in a recruitment context? Okay, so so I mean, the background to this was our RL&D guy thought it might be, thought it would be a good idea for the business because we run all, it's not for everyone. I'll, I'll, I'll mm. caveat it with that. It's not for everyone, but... In a business where you are particularly trainees, you know, if, if you've got a business where every single one of your recruiters is established, they're five years in and they're mm. billing very consistently, then I would think you're probably going to get quite a lot of pushback to putting this in. In right. a business okay. where you've got people that are new, that you're trying to drive the right behaviours in, mm. um, in terms of what actually drives revenue. Look, everyone in recruitment wants to make money and, and, and if you can show them how to make money in terms of the activities that do that and then incentivize them and make them competitive against each other. That's brilliant. But so, so the gamification, we use it, we use a system called sales screen. Um, there's a few of them and it sort of depends on which CRM you want or okay. which CRM you've got. So, so there's, there's one called one up sales. We looked at that wouldn't link with our CRM. There's one called key 19, which I think has just been mm. bought by uh, bullhorn and now only links with bullhorn. Okay. Um, they're all pretty similar. I would mm. say actually sales screen has got a few bits on it that the others haven't, which is mm. great. And, and it was only because our, we use Chameleon. It was only because Chameleon wouldn't link with one up that, that we used yeah. it. Right. Um, so we sort of stumbled across it and it was our finance control that did all the research into it. Great. Um, what it does is, is, is three different things. So it has a dashboard system. So it's very, very easy to understand what your KPIs are. Um, and when I talk about KPIs, that's anything from phone call numbers, which to be honest, we're not massive on. Um, mm. Initially, with trainees, we are. <laughs> yeah, Once you're of course. Billing, they mm. become less relevant. Mm. Um, interview numbers, it will even work out for your interview ratios. Um, so it, it's a really good quality measure in terms of how many CVs you send in for every interview, how many interviews is it before you, yep. how many first go to second, how many interviews to placement. So you yep, can measure good. that really well. Um, but what it also will do is it will run competitions off the back of that. So you can run either team competitions, you can run personal competitions, you can run um, competitions for people at different levels. So we'll, for example, put our rookie intakes all in together yes. and go, right, you can do that competition. And what you do is you win rewards for it. So on our system, they win what are called coins, and those coins can then be converted into uh, rewards, which are anything from early finish, um, day off, spa days, um pizza for the team all of those types of things you can, you can pretty much have anything on it and there's a there's right. a bit on it where they can request what they want so okay they want that's not on the reward shop we'll add it and we'll just work out how much it costs and how many yep. points that then 
equate to two. So you literally have all the time you have, we have two screens in each office and those screens have rolling around them all the time. Slides that have got things like revenue this week, um, how many interviews we've booked this week, but it will also have competitions that are running and where people are up to with that. Like, you know, a lead, like a like, leaderboard. It is like a leaderboard. And, yeah. and we do them, like I say, we do them on people at different levels, but mm. it also works really well because <laughs> we've got two offices. It keeps everyone up to speed with what everybody else is Absolutely. doing. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, like its own Facebook feed on it as well, which shows you when interviews are getting put. You can set it up however you want. Mm. Um, and then even down to, instead of the old ring the bell, um, when somebody does a deal, which I'll be honest, that's never a massive fan of, um, you get it pops up on the screen in both offices and you can set up your own celebration video from YouTube on it and things like that. So <laughs> it's quite a lot of fun. Um, right. But if you've got rookies that came in in the same intake or you've got people at the same level and yeah. they're tracking the leaderboards all the time, mm. I, I genuinely think we had two rookies last year that were within, at one point, were within 300 quid of each other in terms of their billings for the year. And I think with both of them pushing for extra deals towards the end of the year, they probably ended up billing... 10 to 15 grand on top of what they would have done because they were they were pushing so hard. We we are naturally competitive people, both yeah. with ourselves and our peer group. So I think yeah, and if, I you're like... not, if you're not, then it's it, it might not, not be for you. you know? Yeah, it's, I agree. Particularly as a, as a as a as a rookie coming into recruitment. Yeah. And and mm. they love it. And and there is that direct competition between each other that they like. So mm. we found it great. And we had a uh, I think it was our, was it our six-month review or a four-month review or something with sales screen of the week and it's um, we're about thirty five percent up. Right. You can't hear it at the moment, but it's on the background and it's popping up on my thing. Right. Is it? As if it knew. As if it knew. I mean, I think I like the fact that you were very pragmatic and honest about the fact that for some people it wouldn't work. Because I'm thinking, if I, you know, where I am now, I've been doing recruitment forever. But if I think about some of my clients, you know, boutique businesses where they've got people with five, 10, 20 years experience, they're not going to need that level of input on what your outputs need to be, what your ratios need to be, because we know, we just know what we need to do to I create the revenue. I think you need the collateral headcount for it to you work do. as well. I, you know, I if agree. you're a 10 person company, it's not mm, going to work for no. you. If you're 25, 30, it is. But I agree. It's, I mean, it's also great because you can put announcements on the screen. So yeah. we have things like quarterly achievers clubs. So mm. when someone's done the placements to go on a quarterly achievers club, great. the announcement goes up on the screen that they put their place. And it, you know, I think it genuinely helps everyone celebrate. We've got mm. a really nice culture where, as well as being competitive, mm. everyone genuinely wants everybody else to yeah, do well. It, and that's definitely. hard. It's hard to get that. I we know it is. But... points didn't offer. You do no, but you do, and I, I mean, anyone that's not already following Simpson Judge, you, I don't know if you have got an in-house marketer, but you do. You're very good at sharing success, but in a really, it it seems a really genuine. I mean, obviously, I know you guys, but let's say I didn't. It seems really authentic because you celebrate promotions, you celebrate success, and it's always across all social channels. That's what I like about you guys. You do a lot of it on Insta as well, um, and I think it seems really to play very well in terms of your culture of creating that high-performing culture. Um, and I guess that your caveats are that it isn't going to be for everybody. But I think for those listening who are in that period of growth where you go from that, the, the painful period of 10 to 30, which a lot of our listeners oh, are, yeah. you know, yeah. this is this. Could and, be and a lot don't get still. to 30. And they don't. Yeah, you yeah. go constantly from 10 to 15 and then back down again. It's that this could potentially be a really useful tool to create those behaviors but you're yep. doing it it sounds like it sounds like in a really positive proactive way as opposed to a punitive 
or embarrassing people where it's actually a way for them to see that they can actually, you know, it's peer to peer. You're not trying to compare Peter to Paul. So I think that's. And you, you can also really for fun. yourself, you can self, you know, for the individual recruiters, mm. it makes it much easier for them to self manage. So a yeah. lot of CRM systems, they have a reporting tool, but only the managers can access it. Yeah. Or that it's not very good. Like on Chameleon, the actual reporting mm. part of Chameleon itself isn't very good. Mm. Um, so the fact that it's 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 right in front of you and you can build targets into it and they know where they're at on target on everything. Yeah. Um, and it records the placements mm. in there and everything else. So you know mm. constantly where you're up to. Now, if, if you're a recruiter and you're underperforming and you look at that mm. and you don't think, I need to pull my socks up here or, you know, I need to ask some advice. On I was just about to say that. That's um, a bit definitely, pastorally, I need help. And that's your own thing. And, and, and that's where we don't use it as a, we try not to use it as a bollocking tool. Mm. We try to use it as a look. What's what's happening here? You know, yeah. your interview your interview to placements really <clears throat> high, um, mm. and we can also use it to analyze whether we've got people on the right market. So, yeah. Yeah. literally yesterday, we've moved someone from one market to another market, and the reason was is that we're looking at our activity on sales screen and going, she is working incredibly hard, mm. doing all the right things, right. Um, and it's just not kicking the interviews and the placements out of it. And even down to the point where, you know, you sort of listen in a little bit to what people's calls are like. The calls were great. Everything was doing really well. But she wasn't getting the results out of that, you know, winning mm. all the competitions. And 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 we said, we think we've got you on the wrong market. You know, we think we've got you in the wrong sector. And we, we've moved her over to that. another market. And, and within two days, you know, we're two days into that now. And, and already you can see that there's a, there's a spring in a step because there's nothing more demoralizing than, working really really hard and getting nowhere mm. with it. it it's like and you could you could see that a little bit and as much as right the person i'm talking about didn't want to admit that mm. gets to you after a while i know but i love that you've done that and again that really resonates because if you've got somebody who's clearly the right cultural fit has got right behaviors wants to do a brilliant job but maybe just isn't feeling it. and i think this this is the best job in the world and it can be in theory the easiest job in the world but made yeah. more complicated if you're not passionate maybe about your sector so again an amazing tip for those listening i mean i knew you'd be an amazing guest ben but you've been absolutely fantastic rob rob would never have come on would he he would never have said yes to this yeah, I think, yeah, well, I, I told rob i was coming on but i think it was monday and he was like don't say anything stupid. <laughs> what am I going to say that's stupid? It's like, it's all right. Lisa's told me what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I was going to say. Don't say anything stupid. Of course you're not going to say it. I mean, look, if you did, it's a podcast. It's not, you know, it's not censored by anybody. We can even swear on it if we wanted to. You have been absolutely fantastic. And I really do need to come over to Preston to see the new office. And I'm, I'm going to message you after this. This will go live probably towards the back end of the year. So bearing that in mind, and we obviously like to make this as evergreen as possible, as we think about, or you're already listening in 2024, what do you think will happen in the recruitment sector from an overview point of view next year, 2024? Um, so I actually think the recruitment sector, and this will sound random, the recruitment sector is going backwards rather than forwards in terms of the way they're doing things. And I don't mean that in terms of, I think the markets are starting to squeeze a little bit, and certainly from, from advisors we've been speaking to. The market's by no means bad. It's probably, it's not as good as it was last year. Mm. Um, and, it, and it's squeezing a little bit. And I think what that's naturally starting to do, I think particularly tech is squeezing. We, we the, the bit we do in tech isn't because we're, we're very systems focused. But, um, and I think that what that's making people do is almost go back to a little bit more old fashioned recruitment in terms of 
you've got to do your business development right. You've got to lead track right. I think the 180 model is starting to fizzle out a little bit because there's just not tons of business there where you can have one person dealing with client side and feeding 180 into it. So that is going slightly back to the way it was, which, I mean, for us, I've never really liked the 180 model. It's never been something that, and certainly for our markets, I don't think it's something that ever works because we don't, we tend to do spot business. We don't tend to take on 20 jobs that are the same at one time nice. or 20 one company. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's going to, I think that's going to change a little bit. Um, there's a lot of tech coming into it, which, which is really exciting. So obviously we've just talked about things like game, gamification, um, which, which we never really had. I mean, I can remember being in recruitment companies where the only, the only competition you had like that was they print off your, your call times for the day before. Yeah. And stick it on a court board and go, right, you've not done two hours. Um, so I think there's there's better ways to do that. But there's also a lot coming in from a tech perspective from, you know, LinkedIn recruiter, there's data sources, there's mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, we, we did historically didn't have LinkedIn recruiter for a long time and we moved on to it about 12 months ago um, and, and haven't really looked back since we did. It, it's expensive. It's very, very expensive. But um, it, I think it's, it's worth the investment. I think that's... We shall see. I think that everything that you've said there is absolutely right. And let's face it, you know, in fashion, we have retro. And I think that's possibly where re- recruitment is right now. We're recruitment retro. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Thank be interesting you. to see what AI brings as well, won't it? Well, be interesting to see what it, AI brings. I can't wait to see what my robot looks like. <laughs> it's been an absolute joy, as I knew it would, Ben. Thank you so that's much been for fun joining on. Thanks for having me. That's flown by, hasn't it? Told it you has. it would. Thank you so it much. We are so proud to be partners of Needy, the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs, but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society and that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An Inclusion Crowd 
educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion Crowd, like the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. 